Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Well, good morning and welcome to Uncommon Church. It is a great honor that you would spend Father's Day uh, with us today. Father's Day is really hard for preachers because some, some people had a good dad and most people didn't. And uh, it's just tough to get up here and, and, and preach about Father's Day. Um, plus, in our country today, we've got a real uh, epidemic, a crisis. Th- there are more fatherless children being raised today than ever before in American history, except for after the Civil War. So um, it's just a really difficult time. to. And then you get a, every Father's Day, a preacher gets up and he talks about the love of the Father. And all we do is we picture God as a loving Father, but we we it through the perspective of our earthly fathers, and you can't do that. You can't compare an earth, even the very best, even Josh Martinez, as great as he is, can't be compared with the goodness of our, our Father in heaven. So I, I, I need you to the best of your ability, whether you had a great dad or you had a terrible dad or you had no dad, to, to try to picture God as a loving Father through the perspective of the scriptures. And I also know that just talking about fathers in general is tough because a lot of you have lost your dads and your dads have already died or, or they, they, they left when you were a kid. You've never known your dad or you had an abusive dad or a dad who was an addict. Or There's a thousand reasons why Father's Day is tough for you and I, I get that. Or we've got a lot of single moms and you're trying to be a great mom and a great dad for your kids. And it's just a tough day all around, but I would rather lean into the, the, the tough and, 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 and really find out what the, the scriptures say about God as a loving father and, and kind of embrace it rather than, than, than shy away from it. Because I, I, I wanna hold up the scriptures and I, I want to, to see what we can do to, to pull out the meat of, of, of what God is without comparing to a natural father. Can we do that? Is that all right? So last week, I read a scripture that I actually want to pick up with, um, and I, I, it's not at all starting over where we were last week, but I, I, there's this verse that I feel like there's, there's a little bit more to talk about, and um, that is in 2 Chronicles um, chapter 7 and verse 14. Now, this is an Old Testament. I, I need you to put things in perspective. This is an Old Testament prophecy about a future revival that would be coming for the people, and God said, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, and I will restore their land. Now, I, I, I like for you to put um, Bible verses in perspective. So we're in the Old Testament, and when God says my people, he's referring to the Jewish people. But if, if we were to apply this scripture to our lives today, especially on Father's Day, when he says my people, and we're talking about those that are followers of God, uh, that we have put our faith in Jesus, and he is our loving father, when he says my people, he's talking about us, about God's children. So the father is saying to the children, if we will humble ourselves, and we will seek the face of the Father, that's where revival starts for the land. It's when God's kids seek the Father's face. And I I know that 
I want to talk for a moment about seeking the face of the Father, but can I also tell you it's okay to seek the hand of the Father? Like there's times when we come to the Lord and we're like, I need a miracle. I, I need a healing. I need a breakthrough. I need a J-O-B. I need, I need you to, to help in, with my kid. Or Like Jesus never rebuked anybody that came to him needing a miracle, that they came to God looking for his hand, but beyond his, his hand, there is a transformation. There is a revival that comes when we seek his face. So why do we read our Bibles? To seek God's face. Why do we pray? And I don't mean, thank you, Lord, for my McDouble. I mean where we really pray. We enter into prayer. Why? To seek the Father's face. Why do we really worship? Now, I mean worship. I don't mean sing songs. I don't mean clap your hands. I mean where we really forget about everything going around and, and we worship. We are seeking the face of the Father. We'll keep reading. In verse 14, it says, we also would, would humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways. See, the Father is a loving Father, but he hates when his kids act in a way that is not royal because he is the king of kings. We are kingdom royalty. We are not orphans. We have a loving father in heaven. We are no longer sinners. We're saints because he has made us holy. So he hates when his kids don't act like it. So he's asking us to repent and to turn 180 degrees away from our sin and turn to him. And then if we will do all these things, he will forgive us personally. But then look what he does. He heals the land corporately. The mid-cities of DFW will be blessed. Why? Because individuals at Uncommon Church repent and seek the face of the Father. There's the story that we're going to, the main story we're going to talk about today is the prodigal son story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. And here is the case of a young man that ran from the love of his father. Instead of seeking the face of his father, he ran from his father's face. And basically, he said, if you don't know the story, we're going to read most of it here in a minute. He said, hey, Dad, um, happy Father's Day. I wish you were dead. Give me all your money. He wanted his inheritance. He's like, give me an inheritance as long as it's money. <laughs> like, I don't want a relationship with you. I, I don't want your last name. I don't want to do the things the way you do things. And the funny thing is, if, if you look at Luke chapter 15, it's in the, the middle of this story, these parables, these example stories that Jesus is giving when he's talking about lost things. And Jesus is scratching his head and he goes, all right, how can I explain to you guys the kingdom of heaven? Because the kingdom of God on earth now through Jesus is totally different than what the Jewish people had known for thousands of years. It was a new covenant and it was a new relationship, a personal and intimate uh, relationship that man was going to have with God. And he's like, ah, how, can I, how can I explain it to you from everyday life, something that you already know? And then he said, it's, it's kind of like a family and a loving father. And the nice thing about that example of a family and a loving father is that when you're a kid, there's nothing you have to do to be a kid of your parents. You just have to be. Like, do you get that with, with God as the heavenly father? You don't have to do anything. You just have to be God's kid. And when we be God's kid, he can't possibly love us any more than he does right now. 
Like, there's no amount of good things you could do. There's no amount of going to church. There's no amount of singing a song. There's no amount of trying to, to be more holy. There's no amount of money you could give in the offering that's gonna make God love you anymore. He loves you right now the most possible he could ever love you. But I'll also say this, he can't love you any less either. If you, if you totally like walk away from God and, and you sin against God and you, you say, God, I wish you were dead, he's like, yeah, I know, but I can't possibly love you any less than I do right now either. Sometimes I know I'm really big on you serving and being a part and being involved in a small group and serving on one of our teams that helps to make church happen. And, and we talk about the fact that it's important to, to, to serve on a team. And yes, saved people serve people. But... Saved people don't have to do anything for the Father to love you anymore. All you need to do is just be his kid. So there's three things that Jesus is giving as an example of in Luke chapter 15. The lost sheep, that the, the good shepherd leaves the 99 and he goes after the one lost sheep. The lost coin, that this woman had something very valuable and she lost it so she tore her house apart to go find the lost coin. And then the lost son. Now, I always try to find myself, when Jesus tells a parable, I try to put myself on, in the story. And I try to put myself on, on the different sides of the story. So in the story of the prodigal son, I, I, I try to put myself in the role of all three. Sometimes I feel like the father, and sometimes I feel like the prodigal son, and sometimes I feel like the older brother, the good son that stayed, but he had a terrible attitude about the whole thing. So as we read the story, look for yourself in the story. And remember, we're talking about, this is Jesus' example of how to explain the kingdom of heaven on the earth today. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. He said, all right, guys, um, a man, he had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his father agreed and he divided his wealth between his two boys. Dad, happy Father's Day. I wish you were dead. Give me all my money. Probably because he was a teenager and teenagers know everything. So he's like, listen, I already know everything and I don't need to know the father's ways and I don't need to know the family ways. So I just want to have fun now. And um, I, I don't want to have to obey the family rules. I don't want to go to family meetings. I just want to go do my own thing. I've got this, dad. And here's the crazy thing, the father let him. He gave him his inheritance. Verse 13, a few days later, the younger son packed up all of his belongings and he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted his money in wild living. A distant land. He's like, how far away can I possibly get from this family? I'm not saying that's why my daughter goes to school in California. All I'm saying is she wanted a distant land. The prodigal son didn't want to be a part of the family traditions, didn't want to be a part of the family religion, didn't want to be a part of the family chores, didn't want to serve on a dream team. So he left God, he left the church, he walked away from the family of God. And the Bible says that he was in wild living. I don't know what that means, but it's, if it was the 70s, it would be sex, drugs, and rock and roll. He was trying to buy friendships, so he would buy the weed for the party, he would buy the beer for the party. And he's like, I don't want to be under my father's influence because dad, I got this. So he stepped out from his dad's umbrella. In verse 14, Jesus said, about that time, the young man's money ran out. And then a great famine swept over the land and people began to starve. What, what does this mean? It means that recession hit. The economy crashed. People couldn't find work. 
There were food chain supply issues. And because he was out from under the father's umbrella, the father wasn't the one providing for him anymore and he couldn't find food. Verse 15, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. The man sent him out to the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs began to look good to him because nobody gave him anything. Now, I want you to put this in perspective. Jesus is Jewish. His audience is Jewish. The son went so far away from the father's house that he found a farmer that was raising pigs. Jewish people don't eat pigs. So there's, there's even an, an inference here that this young man went so far away that there weren't even like Jewish people there anymore. And did you also notice he went so far away of the umbrella, of, of, of the protection, of the blessing, of the provision of the father that nobody gave him anything? Can I tell you something? God, as a loving father, he is our provider, not our jobs, not the government. God is our loving father, and he is the one who provides for us. Verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, if you got a paper Bible, which none of you do, if you got a, a digital Bible, circle that. He came to his senses. And he said to himself, you know, at home, even the hired servants, they've got enough food and they have food to spare. And here I am, the son dying of hunger. So I'm gonna go home to my father and I'm gonna say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I'm no longer of being worthy to be called your son so please take me on as a hired servant. This is the way most people come to God in church on a Sunday morning. There's, there's two things that's happening here. One of them he got right, one of them he got wrong. He said, I'm gonna repent. I'm gonna turn from the, the wild way of living and I'm gonna return to the Father's love. I'm gonna seek his face and I'm gonna fall on my knees and say, Dad, I was wrong. I'm sorry, please forgive me, I repent. But then the second thing he did was wrong because he tried to earn his way back into the Father's love by being a servant of the Father. Lord, I'm back, but I'm gonna serve on a dream team and I'm gonna be in the parking lot when it's 106 degrees and, and I'm gonna come early and be on the worship team because it's terrible to get here at seven o'clock in the morning and practice. I'm gonna work in the nursery and change diapers because obviously, right? I'm gonna work my way back into the Father's love. He wanted to earn the Father's love. Verse 25, verse 20. He returned home, he said to his father, uh, he, his father saw him while he was a long way off. He saw him coming. And the father, filled with love and compassion, ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. I tell you what, elder Jewish statesmen don't run. And this father was looking off in the distance. He was sitting on the front porch drinking an iced tea, sitting in his rocking chair, but his eyes were on the road. His eyes were in the distance. And I'm telling you, wherever you are in your walk with God, the father is looking for you. Did you notice that it said that he was filled with compassion? Can I tell you something? If you're running from God, God's not mad at you. He's, he's, he's looking and he's longing for you. Verse 21, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven, and I'm so sorry. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Verse 22, instead, his father said to the servants, hey, bring me the robe that's in the house. Go put it on him. Get a ring for his finger. Put some sandals on this boy's feet. Kill that fatted calf. 
that we have been raising because we're gonna celebrate with a feast because this son of mine, he was dead, but now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So let's let this party begin. Come on, somebody. Do you wanna know what the character and nature of God is? He is a loving father that wants to party with his kids. He is compassionate, he is merciful, he is longing to, to, to be with his kids. That is the very character and, and nature of God. So I, if, you, if you wanna be an atheist, that's fine. But don't be a Christian that thinks that God is a vengeful God and a vengeful father. That's actually worse because you're putting a nature on God that's not true. God wants to bless his children. God wants to protect his children. God wants to provide for his children. God wants to party with his kids. We often call this story the, the parable of the prodigal son, but I think it would be better fit to call it the parable of the loving father. Here's an important note. What was the father doing while his son was in a distant land chasing women and getting high and feeding pigs? Was he sitting around trash-talking his son, complaining about his son. I'm, I almost said butt hurt, but I'm not sure if you're allowed to say that in church without getting an email. <laughs> I'll probably get an email. <laughs> no, he wasn't sitting there twisted. He was preparing for his son's return. He also didn't go rescue his son. He waited for the son to repent and to return. By faith, the father was out in the fields and working with the, the people that raised his animals. He said, I want you to save that calf and I want you to make that calf fat so that when we cut out a nice ribeye, the marbling is just right. Fatten that calf up because my son's coming home. And he goes back to the house and the guy that raises the cows is like, that son is not coming home. That old man's an idiot. He goes over to the, the women that worked for him that were weaving together fabrics, and he said, I, I want to make a robe for my son. Oh, your older son? That's No, 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 my son that ran away. Mm, okay, boss, whatever you want, because I want to prepare a robe for him, because I know he's going to return. He went into town, and he, he, he scraped together some gold and silver, and he had it melted down, and he forged a new family ring that his son had probably pawned because he wanted to put a ring of royalty on his son's finger. One of the cows was killed and he pulled out a nice smooth piece of leather. And I, I just imagine this, he personally crafted some sandals for his boy. Because in the ancient world, poor people had no shoes, only the wealthy had sandals. So that when the son would return, he would immediately restore his son to the established position and right back into the family. There's no waiting period, there's no punishment, there, there, there's no, if you're good for a while, we'll see. It was immediately put a robe on his back, a ring on his finger, put shoes on his feet and kill that fatted calf that has the right marbling because tonight we're gonna party. I remind you we're not talking about a loving father on a farm and a son, we're talking about the kingdom of God. 
So you might be the rebellious son that doesn't want to live like God your father wants you to and you ran away, or you might be more like the older brother. Now for time, we're going to skip the older brother's part of the story, but the older brother didn't leave. The older brother, he worked hard. The older brother was probably having to do all the things for the father to prepare for his stupid son's return. The older brother was like, what's the big deal? I never left. Where's my party? Because you can be in church and you can work on a dream team and you can never seek the face of the Father. You can be in church and still be distant from the love of the Father. You can be here every week. Give your 10% and give to the building fund and serve on a team and still not be living like a son or a daughter of the Most High God. See, we need to walk as sons and daughters. We need to take full advantage of being part of the family of God. That he loves us so much that through his son Jesus, we have been adopted into this family. And if we don't experience everything that God has for us, it's not his fault, it's our fault because he's offering us everything. Here's the funny thing. This rebellious son, this prodigal boy, he didn't have to ask the father for anything because everything was already his. That's what the father told the older son. So here we have today in 2022, in Father's Day, we have a crisis in our culture. I said it earlier, more people today are being raised in a home with no father than ever before. And some people are being raised in a home with a male adult, whether it's a stepdad or a dad, but that man is not fathering his children correctly. In the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi, he saw something in the future. He saw a vision about a revival that would come in the last days. He said, look, I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord. And his preaching is going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I'm going to come and strike the land with a curse. Well, we already know how to overcome the land being struck with a curse, and that is when the children of God seek the face of the Father. I, I think that this verse, this prophetic word from Malachi has several applications, but for the sake of today's lesson, for the sake of Father's Day, for the sake of time and, and what we're talking about today, Malachi looked into the future and through the Holy Spirit prophetically saw a time when fathers would not have a heart for their own children. And that there would be a revival, there would be a move of God when the hearts of fathers would be turned back to their own children and children of other people in their community. Today, more than ever before, we have fathers that don't have a heart for their kids. Men that have created human life, but they don't have a heart for their own children. They might even be in the home, but they have more of a heart for their career than they do for their kids. They might have more of a, a heart for, for money or wealth or success or status than they do for their own families. They might have a heart for their hobby, for fishing or hunting or you know, whatever your hobby is that you like to do more than your kids. You might have a heart for sports and following your team and, and, and playing fantasy or going to games or spending your money more than you do for your kids. You have a heart for your drinking or you're smoking weed or whatever your thing is, getting high. You have more of a heart for what you want to do than for your own children. But I'm telling you, there's a move of God. There's a revival that comes when the hearts of the fathers are turned back to their children, where dads 
get off work early so they can go to their kids' sports games and dance recitals. Where, where, where dads have such a heart for their kid, even though they're tired, at the end of the day, they grab a book and they cuddle up and they read stories with their kids. And as their kids get older, they sit and help them figure out their math homework and do the algebra with them. Watch YouTube videos on how to do those old formulas we all forgot. There's a revival coming where the Father in heaven is gonna turn the hearts of the Father for their own children that dads want to sit on a couch and cuddle up and watch a kid's movie with their arm around them. I know that this might seem really hard for most of you men because your dad wasn't like this to you. Well, it's time somebody changes the culture of the church, and that dads are willing to accept the fact that their dads didn't do it for their kids, but they will do it for their children. Hey, Dad. Yes, God has asked us to discipline our children, but we don't have to constantly correct them. I'm gonna say it to this side of the room because they didn't get it. Hey, fathers. We're called by God to discipline our kids for the big things when they blow it, but we don't need to correct every little thing the kids do. It turns their hearts away. We need to be the kid's biggest cheerleader. We need to lie to our kids and tell them they are the best athlete, the best dancer, the best speller. I, I need to be real with my kids. No, you don't. The world will be real with your kids. Your kids need you to be their cheerleader. Your kids need to see you come to church and be on time. Your kids need to see you give in the offering and give to the building project. Your kids need to see you serving on a team. Your kids need to see you with your heart and your hands seeking the face of the Father in heaven. Your kids need to see you being holy at church and at home. Your kids need to see you loving their mom. Kids need to be encouraged. What does encourage mean? That a dad would put courage into their kid. Then what happens? The hearts of the children are turned to the fathers. Well, my kids better honor me and respect me. No, that comes after you do your job right. You know what else good dads do? They know how to sit down and have a family meeting. Say, hey, children, listen, I just want to apologize because daddy blew it. I, I hollered at you, I cussed at mom, I, I, I know you saw me when I got drunk, or I cussed that guy out on 183 and I flipped him off. That's wrong. Godly men don't act like that. Godly men know how to apologize and apologize to their kids. Can I take it as the last point right here? Something that I've shied away from, and I'll explain why in a minute. We need to be, we're gonna fix this crisis in America, and we're gonna fix it here in our city, and we're gonna fix it in our church. We need to be spiritual fathers and mothers to other people, and we also need to be under a spiritual father and mother. We both need to have spiritual parents and be spiritual parents. And it's not one or the other, it's both. 
See, I've always shied away from the whole spiritual father thing because in like the 90s and 2000s, having spiritual parents was taught a lot and it was a really big deal and most people went bananas and acted weird about it and said stupid things and they, 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 they treated, had more honor for their spiritual parents than they did for their natural parents or for their heavenly father. And they just said weird, crazy stuff. But I can't throw out the baby because crazy people like to sit in the bathwater and drink it. Like, I, there is a, a truth to being a spiritual father but also being under a spiritual father. And here's why this is important. Because children today might not have a natural father in the home, but they need a spiritual father in the youth group, in the children's ministry, in the youth ministry. I saw Brian Lindenberger was helping out with the teenagers the other week. I'm like, um, you know, Brian's like 40-something, Josh. What? He's kind of old to be in there. He said, no, I asked him because he's a good dad and our kids need to be surrounded by good dads. Why do we need to do this? Here's why. The Bible often refers to us, the children of God, the illustration is that we are sheep and he is the good shepherd. When a sheep is born, they don't know the voice of the shepherd, they only know the voice of their mama. But as the shepherd speaks and mom hears, she will teach the baby lamb to hear the voice of the shepherd. See, it's not one or the other. Yes, you need a personal, intimate relationship with the father, but you also need a spiritual father, a spiritual mother that hears the voice of the father and says, hey, 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 listen, listen to what the father's saying. I need to train your voice to hear the Father's voice. Can I also give a side note when it comes to being under a spiritual father or spiritual mother? Be humble, be teachable. I'm, I have a spiritual father in my life I meet with about once every six weeks. We'll go get coffee together and we'll talk and we'll catch up, but then he'll usually ask a few good penetrating WD-40 get to the squeaky part of my heart questions and I humble myself and I'm honest, and then I will always ask him, hey, what can I do better? How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better father? How can I be a better pastor? Because I want to get better. I want him to father me, but I wanna make it easy on him so I humble myself. It's so hard to pastor when people come and they talk to Josie and I with a wall up. We're like, dude, I'm here to help you. Just chill, I'm not gonna hurt you. Why do we talk about fathers? The father has three main jobs. To protect, to provide, and to promote. Protect, provide, promote. We gotta do all three. For our natural kids, for our nieces and nephews, for our spiritual kids. Protect, provide, promote. So if you're like, dude, I'm a 64-year-old woman. This message has not spoken to me at all. I have no children, or at least no kids in my house or life anymore. We all need to be under spiritual parents, and we need to be spiritual parents, moms and dads. We all need to be protected, provided for, and promoted. And like the loving father in the story of the 
prodigal son. We need to prepare for prodigals to come home to this family. We need to prepare our hearts when prodigals come to these altars. We have prepared, actually we only have a few spaces left. If you're visiting today, this is our Jesus wall. Every single one of these light bulbs is a life that was transformed by Jesus. Somebody that raised their hand, somebody that prayed a prayer and they wrote their initials or their name on it and they screwed it into that wall. It's people that watched our church online and they got right with God online and they sent in a prayer thing and their names are on that wall. Hop up on your feet, I wanna pray for you. There's a lot of really good Bible verses up on this stage. I could just get up here and preach some of these verses. I don't even know that one. I'll have to look that one up. <laughs> in our altar time later, if you weren't here last Sunday or maybe God spoke something to you when you were in prayer for our church, grab a Sharpie off that table and write a verse or a prophetic word or just your name, what you're believing God for in our church. No grow do. Yeah, God. If you're here this morning and you're not right with God, you haven't experienced his love as a father, maybe you've experienced church, but you've never experienced the love of the Father in heaven. <clears throat> maybe you're here this morning and you've run from God. Somewhere you got twisted with God, you got twisted with church, and you just ran. You ran and ran and ran and ran. Did you notice though in Luke 15, the son came to his senses and realized he needed to repent and go running back to the Father. Did you notice that the Father is preparing for you? He's preparing to put a ring on your finger and a robe on your back. He wants to adopt you right back into kingdom royalty. There's no waiting period, there's no shame. The Father loves you and he's looking for you to come home. I, I can lead you in these prayers, but I can't pray them for you. It has to be your decision. You have to be willing to be like that young man and completely surrender your life back to the Father's will, back to the Father's love, back to the, the culture of the Father. <laughs> the world today is really mad at the church for something called conversion therapy. I am a strong believer in conversion therapy. I want everybody, no matter what their life looks like, to convert and be more like Jesus, to surrender their lives to Jesus to seek the face of the Father. And that if we as a church would seek the Father's face, he'll heal our land. If you're here this morning and you're like, this message has meant nothing to me because I am so right with God, I am like a champion, amazing Christian. You talk like that, you're an older brother. <laughs> Let's all seek the face of the Father, right? Can I lead you in a prayer? <clears throat> now this prayer would mainly be for people that have never prayed this prayer to get right with God, or maybe it's been a minute and you've run from God. Why don't we make it the best Father's Day ever and embrace the love of the Father? Maybe you could forgive your natural dad that ran out on you and hurt you, said terrible things to you, rode you too hard, never really was tender with you and loved you never put an arm around you, told him how proud he is of you. Your dad probably didn't know better. Your dad probably was treated worse by your grandfather. So rather than carry that pain and carry that 
distance against your dad, even if your dad has already died, forgive him. Release him of that debt that you've been holding against him. And be a better man, be a better woman that's gonna love people well, your own kids, your grandkids, your nieces and nephews, kids in this church that need spiritual parents. Let's bet that today, let's let this Father's Day be the day that we completely forgive our dads in the areas that they fell short. God never falls short, he's amazing. If you need to pray and ask God to forgive you of your sin, if you need to pray and ask God that you would repent and surrender your life, if you need to pray and ask God to adopt you back into his family and make you royal once again, either for the first time or the first time in a long time, I'll lead you in that prayer, but I would like to know who I'm praying for. If that's you this morning, would you shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, pray for me. Today's my day to get right with God. I'm gonna get right with God today. I see that hand over there. Is anybody else? Just shoot your hand up real high. You just say, preacher, today's my day to get right with God. What about you that are watching online? One person raised their hand and said, today's my day to get right with God. What about you? Right there in your living room, just watching YouTube and your heart's beating out of your chest. The Father loves you. He's not mad at you. He's looking for you to pray this prayer. Whether you raise your hand or not, if you believe it in your heart, for those at home, for the one that's here, won't you pray this out loud? Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I repent. I surrender my life to you. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I receive the gift of eternal life. Jesus, be the Lord of my life, the lover of my soul. Help me to walk in forgiveness and love, humility, and a hunger to seek the face of the Father. In Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. For the one and for those online, would you say amen? You say amen, come on somebody. Yay God, yay God, yay God. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.